dude, okay, what I like so much about the Willy Wonka pop-up thing <laughs> is uh, it's like... Can I just say that's uh, it's, all, it's only the second month of 2024, and that is already the uh, most whimsical, uh, funniest uh, story <laughs> that I've probably seen in, in, in quite a bit, actually. What what I mean okay what even is it is like <laughs> is this okay this, I was telling Tom this opened up a whole new universe for me like yeah. I didn't know that this was I, a I, thing. I could tell somebody never didn't grow up around Pigeon Forge Tennessee <laughs> there was always some sort of roadside attraction that was that promised more than it delivered <laughs> well, yeah you just walk in it's a guy sitting down in a corner of the chair really sad you're like oh what is this. <laughs> well, I didn't know you could do it off of like existing IP. Like you can just do yeah. anything. Well, I mean, what, is Willy Wonka in the public domain? <laughs> I mean, it would be really funny though if whoever owns Willy Wonka, I don't even know what candy company. It'd be really funny if they tried to crack down on you though. <laughs> is it the is the Raw Doll estate? Like when was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory written? Probably in the fifties or sixties or something. So it's, it's probably definitely not in the back when everybody though. ate tons of candy. Yeah. yeah, but I think I think Willy Walker though is also like branded as a choc like a chocolate brand, right? It's owned by like a confections company, isn't it? Right. Yeah, there are like they make nerds, right? And like yeah, yeah, like, they yeah. made yeah. It's a thing where they made the I, fictional thing real. Right, I think it's like a subsidiary of Nestle or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, they've like licensed the like name and stuff, I guess, to brand certain candies. Well, okay, yeah. this is what. I, I love how half-assed that thing was, right? It's so like what we're referring to, for those of you who don't know, it was like this thing going around on Twitter where... Where was it at, Aaron? I think it's in the UK. <laughs> okay. I think it's in the UK. I don't know where in the UK. Of course. But it, it, it was somewhere in the UK. And that makes so much sense now because... That's I, where it all started. I saw someone like just this haggard-looking lady standing behind what looked like a potions counter. And like only in the UK would you see that. Yeah. Like Americans don't know, we don't know about potions over here. Really, nah, we don't know about co we don't know about potions or sorcery. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do we? What do we know about? I went to the Fayette Mall <laughs> yesterday for the first time in a long time, trying to find a pair of uh, running shoes, and I, I didn't find any. But I went through Macy's, and I did see some of those same people you speak of at the perfume counters. Yeah, as <laughs> my first thought, I was like, okay, we've not given up on potions entirely. <laughs> I mean, we uh, don't lean into them to cure our cancer like, uh, you know, King Charles is now. But, well, uh, but Yeah, but like potions as an aesthetic. Like what's potion core? We need potion core. That we needs need to potion be, core. Like you walk into a room and fog comes with you. Like a like, mist, a mi like a carpet of mist? Yeah, and like you, a carpet of mist comes with you and instead of <laughs> holding a six pack of beer, you're holding a six pack of potions. Like, <laughs> all, right, <laughs> all right, the party has arrived. <laughs> like these glass orbs? <laughs> yes, glass. That have, like, they, they have like corks in them. <laughs> you, you pull out, instead of like texting on your iPhone, you're like texting on your glass orb. Yeah. Yeah, glass you like, gotta gotta run with the Marianne Williamson campaign or like hang out with Alan Moore sometime. Those, <laughs> go go see uh, Fleetwood Mac's residency. You know that's when you'll see Potion Core. Yeah, you know like, it when you see it. Yeah, I mean, just college culture would be so much different. Like, imagine doing a keg stand of potions, of potions <laughs> of a cauldron. A cauldron. <laughs> I'm yeah, doing yeah, a, yeah. a cauldron stand. A cauldron stand. 
you know, like uh, very dangerous hazing ritual. It has killed many a freshman. <laughs> I can see the young generation who's kind of punted on sex and booze and good on them. Well, not, yeah, I don't know how I feel about uh, <laughs> retraction. <laughs> Bunch of dweebs. Anyway, yeah, I could see them getting into the, you know, the, uh, what do you call it? Cauldron stands. Yeah, you mean like the D and D motherfucker? And no hate to the D and D motherfuckers. You know, I'm a nerd myself. I don't, I don't play D and D, but no hate though. Yeah. Now the best way to be is play Magic the Gathering, but also get some pussy. Yeah, get your yeah, man that yeah. can do. But they're not mutually exclusive. You just, you know. Yeah. Well, well, you know what? <laughs> One hampers the other, perhaps in certain contexts, but not if you mm. don't let it. Yeah. Well, well, if there's anybody out there, any listener that is uh, willing to be the vanguard of bringing uh, potion core to the forefront i think being a nerd is cool again man you know there yeah. you might have an in for that you know what this what i'm describing is beyond just being a nerd like um it's and it's beyond just alan moore magic too <laughs> you talk about like actual transmogrification <laughs> <It's alchemy. laughs> like, like, <laughs> i'm talking about actual alchemy <laughs> yeah we're talking about that, that full-on dabbling in you know the metallurgic dark arts yeah if you don't have an obsidian glass a stone that you show all your boys. All of you sit around staring into the gla- obsidian glass, like seeing your double self from yeah. the other realm. And then you're like, it kind of makes you think, doesn't it, fellas? There's a public face and a private face, and it's both reflected back to us in this obsidian gem. We'd be like, yo, everyone pass it around to see your future self yeah. in the reflection. And uh, you get it, and there's nothing there. Okay, like, the... the <laughs> So the Willy Wonka thing, it seems like there was some breakdown in communication at some point because it like the Willy Wonka Wonka pop up that everyone was referencing. It seems like you walked into like an old abandoned warehouse (laughs) and I didn't see any Oompa Loompas. There was people making potions, but there was some kind of breakdown in communication to where like it's like it wasn't clear if they knew that they made candy at the Willy Wonka factory. Like they were like, and oh. they also didn't get everything. They didn't get all their. They were supposed to get um certain supplies, you know, right? Like, like a vacuum cleaner, for example, because I guess Willy Wonka was supposed to vacuum um um the unknown <laughs> the man or something. Which yeah. no, it's not exactly. And it like there was no vacuum. And the comedian who was supposed to be Willy Wonka was just like, I just had to work with what I had, you know. I mean, it seemed like yes. It seemed like they thought that at Willy Wonka's factory they just made various potions, and that Willy Wonka spent all of his time vacuuming nerds out of the carpet. <laughs> yeah, vacuuming nerds. And so, like, I mean, again, this opened up a whole new universe to me. It's like I didn't know that you could do that stuff. Like, I think <laughs> that you could rip people off. <laughs> well, I did. Okay, I did. <laughs> you could. That's one way to view it, Aaron. You could view it that's as true. them ripping people off. Another way to view it is that it's amazing outsider art like uh, yeah terrence floated this idea to me last night and he referenced this uh <laughs> this guy back home that would do these elaborate stand-up sets <laughs> that were literally just him <laughs> reciting verbatim seinfeld scripts <laughs> but it was like a, it was like imagine doing seinfeld as a one-man show yeah mm-hmm and it was just him playing every character in the script while occasionally interjecting some local flavor. And, and by what by that, what I mean is 
he'll just be doing like a, a riff where he's like Jerry and then he's Kramer. Uh-huh. And then he'll look out to the audience and just like say something about somebody that's in the audience. Like, for example, <laughs> there's this, comedy. Yeah. So, for example, there's this girl, Caitlin, there one day. And so right in the middle of his of his monologue, he just says, and Caitlin only dates the guys that make the money. <laughs> and then right back to Seinfeld. <laughs> Terrence is thinking it is like that level of a troll. Yeah, yeah I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's like that level of outsider art. Like you have to view it like, like look at it this way. Like I have these friends that have a young daughter, right? And like I go over there and she's watching YouTube, like the tablet, and the videos that kids watch these days are fucking absolutely schizophrenic insane right it's like spider-man with like captain hook with like wario and they're like like harry potter they're all having an orgy there's like rainbows and shit coming out of them (laughs) and shit like that when they orgasm and you're just like what the fuck is this (laughs) this is demonic yes it's like that it's like i was watching the willy wonka thing and i was like well at least it's not youtube (laughs) (laughs) like at least at le- it's like it's like so half-assed, but at least it's in person. Because like I was thinking about this, like that's a good point, actually. Like 150, 200 years ago, like you'd see like a roadside theater production or something, right? And they would be doing yeah. like probably that. They'd probably be doing like Shakespeare mixed with like, "Hey, look right there, it's Liam. He's got all the money." Like they yeah. they mix yeah. in local flavor, local color yeah. with old school, like tried and true, yeah. yeah. So I was like, I was watching the Willy Wonka thing, and I was like, man, you could do this with anything. Because, like, there was one video, I don't even know what this was about. There was one video of, like, a guy wearing, like, a platinum silver mask. Oh, a silver mask. <laughs> it was out. so Yeah, yeah they awesome. added new characters to the universe. <laughs> And he's like, comes out of the walls. He was terrified. He was. <laughs> and the kid, one of the kids, like, no. I'm just saying, like, Dude, there's all you know, you know, you know what reminds me of it. I'm thinking of uh, y'all know the uh, was it the Situations International? You know, mm. these were the dudes who uh, created situations. So these were like, I mean, I don't even know how to really describe them. I guess they were like artistic acts. You know, um, I guess visual or otherwise, where they kind of created a rupture. You know, in capitalist, the psychogeography yeah. of capitalist society. You know what I mean? I'm probably getting like, wait, people are like, what the fuck is he talking about? But no, this is what it would, this is what I feel like this would kind of be. You know what I mean? I feel like this, and like you said, instead of having their kids glued to a tablet watching YouTube, you know, you can be out in the real world and also get a doubly schizophrenic, probably scarring <laughs> experience. You know what I mean? Can I tell you, I have a little vision for how I would have done the pop up. Okay. Here's how I would. Here's here would have been the big payoff. So you go through. I would still have all the half-ass stuff. Would it be Willy Wonka theme still? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I'd still have all the half-ass stuff, but at the end, when you and the boys are done doing the tour of the weird makeshift and seeing that depressed ass oompa loompa woman that's the bartender she was that was like that's the kind of like the new like uh robert england smoking cigarettes in the freddy krueger costume yeah. <laughs> like at the end here's what i would have had set up i would have had like the bed that uncle joe and oh uh, they all and slept uncle, in yeah yeah and you and the boys get to take your picture <laughs> wrapping legs in that same kind of configuration. I've always thought that was cozy as hell. It did look pretty tight. That's one of my big takeaways from Willy Wonka is like if if I could just lay in a cuddle puddle with a bunch of my close friends like that. <laughs> yeah. With I mean without the connotation that 
uh, oppressive poverty is what's forced them to have to sleep like that. Forced <laughs> to pack like sardines. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like you know, like when you take like ride a roller coaster, they take that picture of you throwing yeah. your arms up at the end. The big yeah. payoff would be you and the boys get a picture of y'all just like laying in a little cuddle puddle at the end, like yeah. on the show. Do, yeah. do, you, do, you, do you get to wear the, the pajamas that they have for the movie too? Yeah, like and the with, grandpa a, with, a, with a stocking hat. cap. Yeah, yeah. you get lice and like bed bugs. Yeah. And Y'all whole. all get to lay there on your honk shoe, honk shoe, me, 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 me shit. You know? <laughs> I, 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 I will say too though, uh, I'll, uh, I'll give credit to that woman, the, the woman we're talking about because I saw pictures, um, other pictures that showed that she tried the best that she could to have a good time with the kids. Like there were a couple of nice pictures for smiling and stuff like that, you know. And it was just like, I mean, you know, I guess the the make make the best of what you got. You know what I mean? She I think she, she did the best she could do with the. I thought it was funny they showed the like they just had the different like lollipops and rainbows like little like you know signage on the walls and stuff and it would just like kind of fall down <laughs> <laughs> like some british kid that the, to be fair though like i feel like your average british child like they're not really they're not gonna like perceive that what you're doing is like that half-assed you know what i mean it's an absolute shot. Imagine if that was your child. Imagine if you had a kid that was like, "What was all this absolute shot?" <laughs> Every time you, you had to punish him, you're, you're just making me think like you're an American couple and you have a child that just inexplicably starts speaking with like a cocky just accent. talks like Veruca Salt. Yeah. What was all this bloody shot? Get out of my house. Just like, dude, I would be so fucking pissed if my child was British. Oh my god, that would suck so bad. It'd be so annoying. That would suck. Is it Willy Wonka? (laughs) You're from Kansas. Shut up. Quit talking about that. Where's the golden ticket? (laughs) You've never even drank a cup of tea. Stop. Since we're in the UK, what would what would Jimmy Pages or? Prime crack. Minister Jimmy Page. He would have to crack down on this. <laughs> We're getting reports from all corners of the island. <laughs> We're going to hold a special session of Parliament. We're going to crack down on it. Oh man, that one. Yeah, that that's another one that only makes sense if you're subscribed to Patreon. That's Patre- why I did it. Patreon.com/slash. <laughs> I was he- okay. Here's the thing. Um, this is why I say it opened up a whole universe to me, though. Mm. Like you could use all kinds of like IP for this. Like I was thinking oh. about um, a pop up of the film franchise, The Hangover. Okay. Um, but like it's half-assed. It's got all the characters of The Hangover, like the naked Japanese guy. Hmm. I only saw the first one in like the first ten minutes of the second one. <laughs> but I assume I mean, that, like, pretty much it sums up. I think the whole <laughs> franchise. <laughs> like it's got Heather Graham, and it's got the dude from The Office, the guy with the glasses, and Bradley Cooper. Who, by the way, Bradley. I was thinking about. What, this- would it be the actual actors, or would it be just like? Just Joe's. They kind of. It'd be like, their characters. Okay. It'd be their knockoff characters. Okay. But it's half-assed, and so I was like, "What would a half-assed Hangover? What would what a half-assed pop-up of the Hangover be?" And it's like, it's basically, it's very sober. 
and not crazy at all. <laughs> it's just totally normal and chill. Yeah. There's like no crazy things happening. <laughs> yeah, there's not even any booze there. There's not any booze. It's like, hey guys, what's up? <laughs> I don't. Is this the hangover pop-up I was coming for a party? Yeah, this is it. Mike Tyson, uh, that's another character in there, and a tiger, but it's like your cat. It's like a house cat that you dress It's like up an with. old lady and a cat. Yeah. It's like your neighborhood oh, cat. There's a tiger in the bathroom. <laughs> Man, I, I just was thinking about that because Bradley Cooper's in the news right now because he he said, um, he said, uh, he didn't love his daughter at first. He didn't. He didn't know her. He was just well, like. He didn't love her. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. He didn't just say he didn't love her. <laughs> he volunteered. <laughs> this man fixed his mouth to volunteer this information. <laughs> but if somebody would have showed up with a gun, like I don't know, <laughs> like maybe it'd have been fine for for them to kill my daughter. That's what he said. <laughs> he didn't say the kill my daughter part, but he did say. But if somebody would have showed up with a gun, I don't know. <laughs> like, how would I? F- I don't know. Like, maybe I don't. Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't care. I want to tell y'all something. That is such at a, a certain point, you know, there's that line in True Detective season one that, as I draw closer to middle age, I think about a lot. Is that uh, past a certain point, a man without a family can be a, a bad mm. thing. Past a certain point, a man in the arts can be a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can be too into the arts. That's why. I find Bradley Cooper a fascinating individual because he started in The Hangover. Like, that was... I mean, he was in, like, Wet Hot American Summer and stuff, but, like, I feel like he blew up with The Hangover. Yeah, he was in Wedding Crashers and... Oh, he was. He was in a lot of those kind of early... like, the douchey guy in Wedding Crashers. Yeah. And then he did uh, that movie with Jennifer Lawrence, something playbook. Silver I Linings. Play- that that yeah, was. But his, I guess that was afterwards, though. That was to him what uh, Dallas Buyers Club was to Matthew McConaughey. You know, Matthew yeah. McConaughey went from rom com king to like serious art from actor. Reign of Fire. Yeah, Bradley Cooper <laughs> went from like what they call the frat pack flicks to serious actor. Now he's going for serious auteur, which is a, a fool's errand. Uh huh. I'll tell you something. Totally. That's a fool's there. That, connect this back to the Willy Wonka thing. I like how things are so bad artistically that I've rationalized how the Willy Wonka thing is actually good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's because, you know why? Because it's at least interesting. It's at least interesting. Yeah. It's interesting and it's organic. You know, it's I organic. Think, I think, okay, so I think, yo, Terrence, there's a point too um, in that story that I thought was interesting. I think that um, a lot of people were tricked um, because of the AI promotional material, you know? Which is like, I think, yeah, yeah, I think some of it had like, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't just use promotional material. I mean, I guess copyright issues, right, from the film or whatever, but sure. But like, I think a lot of it was was like generative AI, you know, promotional material, you know. For the pop-up? Yeah, for the pop-up. So when people showed up, you know. I see. Yeah, they just showed up and they were just like, I mean, so whenever you, I mean, dude, this is like the classic, (laughs) like the classic, like uh, kind of like, um, you know, like a go around, right? Like it's like. It's like looking at like an ad for McDonald's or something, and the burger's juicy, you know, and dripping. You know what I mean? These are special and just the bun looks really golden in there, but in reality, <laughs> in reality, it looks like it was cooked under some guy's arm for like eight hours. Right, right. right. <laughs> like, <laughs> been sitting under a hot lamp for twelve hours. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yo. Yeah. That is the thing. It's like real life. Weirdly enough, is kind of imitating the AI produced art online. But it can't mm. quite get there. 
So there's a huge disconnect, right? Because like real life will always be extremely messy and like whimsical and like Mm-mm. unpredictable. Unpredictable for sure. And so you'll have this massive gap between like the real simulated hyped up version of something and the actual implementation and execution of something. Uh, and that's why we need to hang over pop up everywhere we go. <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with that. One 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 lingering question I have about the Wonka pop up is did we ever get to the bottom of the guy that pops out of the wall? <laughs> <laughs> like the is he, like like is he like the lo- sepulchral figure who like yeah was wearing yeah, the with platinum the, with mask. is he is he <laughs> is he in the lore somewhere that I wasn't paying attention to or is, I, I, is he hanging in the background of one of the shots in the movie or this the is book what I'm or saying with the Hangover pop up you can introduce all kinds of characters like that that's true yeah. that's true you, know? you can have an extended universe yeah like characters that's true. that are mashups of other characters and they're not in the original thing itself, but like the judge from Blood Meridian, he could be in the Hangover pop up. Just a completely glabrous figure, no <laughs> hair on his head or eyebrows or anything like that. Evander Holyfield, who who Mike Tyson bit his ear off, instead of would instead be of Mike Tyson, just Evander Holyfield. Yeah, instead, you know, you just kind of tweak a few things. Yeah, you could change the races too. That's what I was thinking too. You know. Like, yeah. instead of, like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, that might, I mean, nobody would get upset. You know, people get, I'm thinking people get upset about, like, oh, you made Spider-Man black. They'll be like, well, you made that white guy from The Hangover black. Now I can't watch it. Yeah, you should. We <laughs> should make it. We okay. should. That, the Zach Galifianakis character should be black. I 100% agree. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. I watched it last night. <laughs> I watched that. Is that why it's on your mind? Yeah, well, like, I was thinking about the Bradley Cooper thing, and I was like, how did this guy get famous? I'm going to have to go back to the source the original source. That's how so I watched you went that one. I went to the hangover. One through three. No, just the first one. And I didn't even make it all the way through. But do you guys remember mm. like how you felt when you first watched it? Like the first five minutes, mm. Bradley the first the scene opens up with Bradley Cooper and he's like, We're not gonna make it to the hangover. And she's like, No, and you're and then you're the Yeah, in your mind you're like, Oh man. <clears throat> this is crazy. Some crazy stuff's about to no. Well, the 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 influence of that movie looms large because every group of old college friends tries to recreate that without a hint of irony. I yeah. I'm convinced yeah. that movie became the blueprint yeah. for the IDF sense of humor in Gaza. <laughs> if you look at it, just if you the boys having just the boys having fun. That's the that's the sense of humor that all those like fascists like. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like that's the sense of yeah. humor they have. They think that that's what like humor is. That's liberal fascist humor. It's like a quirky. It's like an offshoot of quirky fascism, you know. Yeah. But it's like it's like embodied in this sort of like very like I mean I don't even know man like this very quirky self awareness you know. But it's just the boys hanging out though. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we're just odd and we're gonna do wild shit you know. And we're right. gonna record it. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the thing. It's yeah. Every friend group has tried to recreate that over the years. For like the one time a year they get together, mm-hmm. and like what happens is everybody like passes out by one o'clock or whatever. There's yeah. no Tiger. There's no Mike Tyson. There's not even a trip to Thailand involved. <laughs> no, no. It's usually just going to a casino and just kind of having remember when conversations till you get too sleepy to stay up any longer. That's the hangover pop up. <laughs> but you could add like. 
you could add like Beelzebub or some shit. Satan himself. So you can add some kind <laughs> of <Satan> himself. <laughs> demonic chimerical figure add, that like add the girl from the ring. <laughs> yeah, crawls out of a television. Just and, have like, a in the corner. Forces you to like view your entire life and all the pain you've caused others and. <laughs> uh, brother, that is that is the hangover, brother. <laughs> yeah, this is the ultimate hangover. That's the ultimate hangover. What's brother? the premise of the third one? Where do they go in the third one? Isn't that the Thailand? They one? get sober in the third one. Yeah, they, yeah, they go, go to rehab. Yeah, the third go to rehab. <laughs> I don't know. The second one was Thailand. <laughs> yeah, they dry up. The third one, it's just <laughs> it's just lead north. They actually do exactly what you're talking about, Terrence. They in the third one, they do the hangover pop up. The th- the hangover three is alternatively titled Silver Linings Playbook. <laughs> <laughs> that is hangover three. That's hangover three. Dude, hangover this is three point five. This is one of the most depressing things I've ever read in my life. What whatever. The in a mid credit scene, this is on this is on Hangover Three. Jesus Christ. In a in a mid credit scene, the Wolf Pack plus Cassie, who even knows who that is, appear to have staged another wild party they can't remember. Stu awakens to find himself wearing a pink lady's thong and now has breast implants. Alan remembers that the wedding cake was a gift from Chow. The chain smoking Bangkok monkey drops from a ceiling onto Stu. Chow emerges from a bathroom naked carrying a katana. <laughs> what the fuck? Yo, dude, I, that's just like, oh, man. What, what what year did that come out? 2013. That means the first one came out in 2009. That Damn. means that the, um, that's four years. That means that your entire college, if you entered college in 2009 and graduated in 2013. You saw all of them. You could mark your entire college experience by the three. <laughs> by the hangover. <laughs> So, like, by the second one, like, you know, you're maturing a little bit. Or by the third one, it comes out and you're, like, a fully mature adult. But getting like, ready to enter the workforce. You still love the hangover. Yeah. You still love that shit. You're like, oh, no, Stu has titties now. And there's this chain-smoking monkey and a katana. <laughs> uh, you, you make a, I wonder you, if there was, like, guys uh, <clears throat> like us back in the 80s sitting around, like, just too cool for the National Lampoon movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, and a little droll that they go on a Euro vacation or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was us. We could have been National Lampoon's. The The funny thing is, like, all those National Lampoon guys went to Harvard. Yeah. And look at us. We're doing smart com- comedy. And I went to State College. Tom went to State College. And Aaron I went to Community even... College and yeah. dropped out. And we're doing smart comedy here. <laughs> we're doing smart yeah, We're doing Jimmy Page. We're, and, this is high concept concept stuff, though, you know? Yeah. So. Well, so, okay. So, let's, let's talk let's about. Let's get down to brass tacks. Yeah, let's talk about this stuff from this week, all right? Um, so, this week, we've got... I don't even know where to begin here. There's a number of things. There's a number of things. There are a number I'll just of terrible throw them things. Out, I'll, I'll just throw them all out on the table like they're my wares. <laughs> and you all can decide. There's Michigan primary. Mm. There's Trump and Biden going down to the border on the same day to give spe- stump speeches. To, together mm. or separate? Separate. Mm, yeah. They're, they're going not to doing separ- a duet? Yeah, they're not doing a duet. They're going to separate places. Mm. Um. But uh, then there is the self-immolation of Aaron Bushnell. 
there is the just this morning uh a chaotic incident in Gaza according according to the to to CNN according to like every major news outlet according to CNN oh this is like the blast so this is like the blast now yeah like, this quote, is the blast everyone keeps saying chaos this is chaos this is chaotic like the new york times said it the bbc said it this morning these people are fucking oh my god so like yeah like we're let's, let's just start from the beginning all right um the first thing that happened this week that like really kind of kicked off the week the tone of the week and the to- and the events of the week was the immolation of um aaron bushnell outside the israeli embassy in dc okay I want to talk to you guys about this. This was an extremely like um the the discourse that this initiated was utterly absurd in every way. I mean, you had people debating for days whether it was good or bad for someone to do something like this. Like, oh, this is not the look, fam. Like, yeah. it's, okay, I'll, let me just say this. I have known for a long time, just be, just because I've been in therapy for a long time, and like the things I've said to various therapists and seen their reactions. The ungodly things. The I've ungodly said. things. <laughs> the I've ungodly said things that I hope no one ever remembers that I said. <laughs> I have realized for a while now that like at eventually a certain point, the therapy industry and all of its like paradigmatic modalities. CBT. Yeah, say that ten else. times fast. Paradigmatic modality. Say it with That's me. That's fun folks. to say. Yeah, I like that. I knew it would eventually run up against the hard limitations of like the apocalypse that we're entering, right? Yeah. Because like there's only so much like CBT you can do. There's only like so much like <laughs> centering you can do to like inure yourself to the you know, onslaught on our lives to the to the yeah. gradual grinding down and wearing down. I mean, really, you're not, a, you're not like a mosquito in amber, right? You can't. You are not immune from all of these external. Sorry to cut you off, Terrence, but exactly, exactly. exactly. No, you're exactly right. Like honestly, and Terrence is like, and for that reason, I quit going. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke, but I really did. <laughs> I really did stop going. <laughs> um, mostly just because. In therapy, there is a red line. Everyone knows this. There's one there's one line you can never cross. There's and if you even hint at it, you get a wellness check kicking down your door at three AM. That red line is obviously suicide. <laughs> okay? Which makes sense. Uh, because I guess if you're a therapist and your patient kills himself, then I mean that would be like a fireman who can't put out a house. You know, fire? fire, a yeah, fireman who loves fire, fire. exactly. A loves pyromaniac fire. fireman. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. your therapist telling you, you know what? Actually, mm, you know, what? you should go home and sit on that. Maybe you know, I well, mean, if you it, really want to, you know? it does. It does seem to. Um, I don't know quite how to articulate this. But it does seem, I can't even believe, I, I don't even really have to say this. It does seem like in the last 30 or 40 years, the concept of suicide has become, and I'm sorry for discussing suicide on this week's show, but the <laughs> concept of it has become so melded and, 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 and uh, fused to the concept of mental health that it would be inconceivable that anyone would do it outside of any kind of 
mental impairment of any kind, right? right? Yeah. Any like, mental health episode or something. Right, yeah. Like the idea that you would give your life up for something greater than yourself has become axiomatically defined as the act of an insane person or yeah. a crazy yeah. person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a delicate thing, you know, right? Especially in a death-defying culture such as our, our own that also is cowardly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. And trying. I'm not saying those of us that remain are cowards because we're not self-immolating. No, or doing no, something like so. that's not what I'm but, saying at all. And I'm not. And I'm not even saying that. Like, you know, obviously, it's more ideal to have people with us. You know, that 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 right. see these things and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying those <laughs> things. But what I am saying is that we have so. And part of this is tied into kind of what you were saying too, Terrence, and I, I think we'll probably circle back to it. But we are so averse to discomfort mm-hmm. that we have turned into, like, you know, like, I don't, I hate to sound like one of those conservatives, like, we're just a nation of fucking pussies and snowflakes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's not that. It's not that. <laughs> we so run from discomfort and we so chase the dopamine hits and all that kind of stuff that, like, it's our whole existence now. You know what I mean? It's just instant gratification. I'm not pointing out anything. This is not a novel thing to point out. That we just can't wrap our heads around somebody actually doing something from a position of principle rather than, like, they must be off their meds or whatever. Right. You know. Exactly. Well, I mean, this is what, you know, I was thinking of John Brown because uh, I saw this insane tweet, man, um, that I'm still thinking about, man. This uh, this guy who I get... (laughs) <laughs> Would you say so? Would you I'm say still so? reeling yeah. from that myself. There was I mean, several I, John Brown tweets, in fact. Well, but yeah, go go ahead. Well, the one, the one, the one though, where it was like, um, where he said something like, um, well, you know, John Brown's raid on Harper's Ferry was ineffective because it radicalized, helped radicalize Robert E. Lee, right? And and it's just like, you know, like, I guess, I guess it's just kind of insane to me that like, because I guess they call John Brown insane as well, right? You know. Like, they, he said that he was, you know, he thought what he was doing was morally righteous, right, and spiritually righteous, and he was also called insane, right? So just this kind of tactic upon where you call anyone who is maladjusted, right, who takes, I mean, not even makes the ultimate sacrifice, because, I mean, you can vote non-committed, right, and something's wrong with you, right? You can march in the streets and something's wrong with you, right? But for somebody to self-immolate, like, and for you to conflate that with suicide, like, that's a deeply personal political act, you know? Like, I'm just speaking for myself here as somebody who has mental health issues. And a lot of people said this, right? And again, I'm speaking for myself. My first, my, I have never thought about setting myself on fire, right? To escape any of the mental anguish that I'm going through, right? And for people that don't give a shit about mental health anyway, you know what I mean? To bring mental health into this conversation and yeah. act that, and act like that people who are, even even people who are mentally ill have no agency, right? Or can't make decisions, right? You know what I mean? Or is even, even if to say that, even a more complicated discussion is to say, what does this political system do to people's psyche, right? That galvanizes them and makes them be willing to make the ultimate sacrifice. You know what I mean? Right. Like, why not even talking about that? Instead, we're having conversations about whether or not it was mental illness or God, yo, this shit drew, drove me fucking insane. Whether or not you can say rest in power for non-black <laughs> people. Like, oh just God. as an example, these are the kinds of conversations that we're having because nobody can imagine dying for anything bigger than not even themselves or their families. Like, I don't even know what, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't want to yeah. even ramble, but it's just, it had me thinking about what would I be willing to die for? And I can tell you what, 
I'm not going to say that I'm a coward, right? But there are principles that I believe in that I think I'd be willing to, you know, I'd be willing to protect my family, my friends, my ideals, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not a, that's not a question for me, you know? Yeah. These people are cowardly, you know what I mean? Sorry to ramble, man. It's just this whole thing is just fucking insane to me, dog. The, 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 the thing is, is that the paradigm of therapy, the entire therapy industry exists, and I've realized this over time with school shootings or in, just public shootings in general, hmm. that every time... Um, like, I was listening to an NPR story one day about how, like, therapists were deployed to certain communities after a shooting. Mm -hmm. And how a big part of what they do, a big part of what they do, and a big part of, like, trauma uh, therapy is, in many ways, accepting and normalizing the violence all around you every day. And so, like, in if you look at it in that sense, the therapy industry exists pretty much to absorb and attend to the contradictions, right? It's a, it's like a mm. way to like, because all of us like are experiencing psychic pain of some kind, <laughs> and so it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. Some of us more than others. Well, a buddy of mine pointed out this week, like, just if you think about the context of the pandemic, it's like literally every human being, man, woman, child, person on the planet could be diagnosed with an adjustment disorder yeah you know what i mm. mean like mm. it's a a world cataclysmic event that we've kind of you know seemed to have moved on from but like we don't know what the long-term ramifications physically mentally spiritually are from something like that you know yeah mm. i think that mm. like so to kind of like jump on what you were saying aaron like First of all, the John Brown thing, <clears throat> the tweet was followed up by something absolutely incredible. It was one of my favorite um, co pro moves, actually. Um, the follow-up tweet was, if you're looking for historical examples of shit that worked, look at how the personal bravery and service of black troops during the Civil War gave Lincoln the political room he needed to push the 13th Amendment and all the incremental steps he took to get them into service. It's my favorite co pro move, which is to discredit the first thing and then invoke... Like, you know what I mean? The like, black freedom struggle. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah in yeah, the yeah, most yeah, hollow yes, way. Yes, yes, yes exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Invoke the invoke MLK, but not late MLK when he was speaking to God against the Vietnam War, right? Or when he was yeah, like yeah, trying yeah. to unionize like garbage men and but like, you know what I'm saying? The North and shit. Or to do the opposite, to discredit his earlier socialist uh because like the march on washington wasn't just a civil rights march it was a march for jobs yeah. um to discredit that and say oh this is a this is a later move that i've noticed them start doing with malcolm x they've embraced malcolm x and the later politics of mlk to discredit the earlier politics of both of them yeah, yeah. <laughs> to like create this weird disjuncture so that you wind up throwing out parts of the person and their movement so because the idea is that they've matured they've matured politically right and they've yeah. outgrown some of these more brash impulsive political you know it's, what i'm saying exactly Impulses, right exactly that's exactly right because which it, you should do too and the, the point of it is and to, they still end up shooting both of them down like dogs <laughs> right and the point of it is to like destabilize you and to cause this rupture in your view of the person and that's what they're doing with the john brown thing they're saying oh harper's ferry was a disaster and it was a failure and <laughs> total disaster total disaster and it was a failure <laughs> and the actual the actual victory and the thing that worked was the black um 
uh, was the Black Freedom's uh, uh, slave revolts during the Civil uh, War. Hold on a second. The thing that got me though was the implication that Harper's Ferry was a radicalizing act for Robert E. Lee. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm telling you, I went to bed feeling crazy over that. Because like, I was like, look at this guy's bow. Like he's like a like a. I think he's like a, a civil rights attorney or something. I saw like that. Georgia, I'm like, what the Atlanta, fuck is wrong with you, then, bro? It's like <laughs> act like that. Act like it, then. Like this weird ahistorical shit. But I have to say, Robert E. Lee revisionism is the Southern man's Holocaust revisionism. Though, yeah. So it makes total yeah. sense. You know, it's true. People love to muddy the waters on Robert E. Lee. You're For so some right. Reason, I don't know why him specifically. Maybe it's just... Because he wasn't a fire-breathing racist in the way Jefferson Davis was. He was more like... A he, statesman? He, yeah, he kept his racism like pri- more private and like... Uh, some of his letters, though. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, the way oh, he, no, he, I, he absolutely believed all the things Jefferson Davis did, but... He just wasn't as out and out about it. Because right? yeah, yeah, yeah. you always hear this talk about like, oh, here's what I always heard. Robert E. Lee, he actually didn't own slaves himself, which is just absolute horseshit. <laughs> uh, but the only reason he fought for the Confederacy is he wouldn't turn his back on Virginia. He loved Virginia. He loved Virginia. Yeah. Oh, Six Semper Tyrannus, baby. <laughs> By the way, Robert E. Lee was, um, maybe this is what he was getting at, but Robert E. Lee was one of the people that responded to Harper's Ferry. Like, like, person, like, literally, like, his regiment was, like, called in to. So he was Put like, down. he was like a uh, first responder. He was a first responder at Harper's. <laughs> that is like cop shit, though. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, not only literally, but it kind of just mirrors like, you know, cops just showing up to a scene to act like they, you know. Look, Harper's Ferry was pretty. fucked. There was no way they were getting out of Harper's Ferry alive. Anybody who's been to Harper's Ferry can take one look at the place and see why. It's like mm-hmm. a fucking trap. Like once yeah, you're down in it, you can't get out. And John yeah. Brown knew that. Like the whole, I mean, I, I, the fact that people, the fact that we're even still talking about John Brown to this day is a testament to how absolutely insane he was as a historical figure. And I mean that in a good way. It is insane yeah. that a guy like John Brown existed. That's amazing. It, 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 dude, I, I'll tell you what, man. I remember one time I took a history course. This was in community college where we literally took a class, a whole entire class about and I think the context was in like, how do you uh, judge history? How do you, uh, uh, um, what opinions do you take from history? How not to be opinionated? And it was just about, was John Brad, John Brown a good or a bad historical figure? <laughs> and the fact that we're even having that conversation as a black guy, dog, like, like this is this is the thing about liberals. And I think this is like, to tie in with Aaron Bushnell, right? This is, this is what it is. It's like, it's not even the fact that these people have a vested interest in making sure that no protest goes through. It doesn't matter whether it's um, self-immolation or voting uncommitted or showing up to a protest, right? It's also about, like, their obsession with process, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And their obsession with, like, rules and the fact that, like, because I think it was, I forgot, I don't know if it was Time Magazine, I think it was Time Magazine maybe, that had said that, um, well, you know, Aaron Bushnell broke the rules because technically as a um, as an active service member, you're not supposed to, which I don't even know if he was an active service member, but he's not supposed to, like, um, um, um show any per- personal political right. you know, affiliations or anything like that. And it's just like, what are we even talking about here? You know what I mean? Like, we've been, we're so far removed from why he did what he did in the first place. And I know that's on purpose. Because they don't want people to start thinking about like, 
not about lighting themselves on fire, but why he did it, you know? Yeah. You know? That's, that's, and what would make somebody do that? You know The what I concern mean? trolling about, like, copycat things, I was talking to Tom about it earlier this week. It's like, you don't care. You don't you fucking don't care a, if people do copycat. Why, why do you fucking care? You don't care Dude, about suicide? No, all it is, man, all it is now is just, again, tweaking and tailoring and mediating conversations, right? Because things are kind of, like, I don't even know how to say, not even getting out of control, but the contradictions, right? are just kind of leaping out and jumping out and they're trying to contain them, you know what I mean? Yeah. So now they have to dig in there, and part of that is digging in their heels to declare that they're cowards. Because that's what it is, too. If you're saying that John Brown, well, maybe John Brown wasn't, not only to me is that saying that you are like uh, uh, this person who believes in this kind of rules-based order, but also you're a coward, you know? You're a coward, yeah. essentially, you know what I mean? It's well, the it's same also, thing with Aaron Bushnell, you know? Also telling, you know, and I think about this from a, church context either it is kind of perfectly exemplifies the story of the rich young ruler calling to lazarus his servant to drop water on his tongue it's like you don't understand this young man was willing to die death so agonizing that they've been using it in the holy books for thousands of years to dissuade us from living immoral lives of his own volition for something that he felt strongly about okay and they still are like, but why didn't he follow the rules? Why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do that? In the same way that the rich young ruler still thought he ruled over Lazarus, who was still alive. You know? It's a, it's just an arrogance that just, that just they cannot wrap their head around why somebody would not follow the rules, why somebody would not follow process and like, or yeah. do this thing or this thing the right way or whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and as it... And I think about the like, the like immortal assessment of the Potawatomi massacre. Mm. Like I, I always thought about this, like what Frederick Douglass said, that like the Potawatomi massacre was a terrible remedy for a terrible malady. Like it's mm. like think something can because like again, you know. I don't know, we could go through the entire life of John Brown if you want today. <laughs> but, like, the Pottawatomie Massacre is a very, let's just put it this jarring. way. Jarring. <laughs> it's a very jarring thing. <laughs> and, like, we talked about it on the episode we did about Cloud Splitter last year, but, like... And we even floated that question ourselves. What, like, was he actually insane, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I think that, like, the fact of the matter is, is that, like, if you try to internalize... Or, or normalize at a psychic level what is going on, it will drive you to a kind of madness that yeah. does has no textbook definition. There is no, there's nothing in the DSM or whatever that is going to explain away what you are experiencing at the moment, to especially someone if you're like in the military, if you, if you have like a conscious, like a moral center which this guy, he was in the Air Force, Aaron Bushnell was in the Air Force. If that is you, and you feel like you have been conscripted, your body, your your physical being, your blood and tissue and sinew has been conscripted to participate in the genocide of, of a people, and and you try to go home every night and like explain that away and normalize it, it will drive you to a kind of disembodiment that, ha- like I said, like has no textbook definition there's you're not going to find anything in any like book on therapy and its various modalities and mental illnesses or whatever 
that is going to give you a proper understanding of what that is. Because what that is is being a human being. Yeah. That, yep. Like that, that's what it is. That's what it is to be a human being and to understand the scope and scale of a mass tragedy yeah. and to understand your place in the whole thing. Yeah. And that's why John Brown did what he did at Pottawatomie. He was, he was a white farmer, a failed merchant in America who, who saw with perfect clarity not just the immorality of slavery. This is the thing that people don't understand about John Brown. And I think this is also probably the case for Aaron Bushnell. Not just the immorality of the thing itself, but what would be required to change it. Yeah. And that, that is the thing that John Brown realized before anyone else did. Probably even before Frederick Douglass. If yeah, well, Frederick totally Jones was inspired. Here. I think was inspired, right? Yeah, like he he understood that there was only one way out of that, and it was through a baptism by fire and blood. Yeah. And again, I think that Bushnell probably had the same realization. It's like it's not just the immorality of the thing; it's the fact that the entire mainstream apparatus of acceptance and normalization of thought and feeling in this country supports it. You, you've got this thing today about the New York Times. Uh, I don't know if y'all saw that in The Intercept. The, yeah. the links that the New York Times went to to allow this story to be published about the October 7th oh, attacks. The, the rape hoax. Yes, the, yes the, the sexual assault charges. The systemic, systemic rape, systemic um, rape committed exactly. by Hamas is how they termed it. You've got every major institution of thought in this country supporting this thing the entire government unwilling biden willing to go down with the ship just he to called himself it. a zionist he called himself a zionist on late night tv the other night wasn't he talking to some late night head yes and he kept sitting on a couch and called himself a zionist you know and was, said and said as long if israel doesn't exist no jew anywhere will be safe yep which is like insane because there are more Jews in America than in Israel. So you're saying that you as president can't keep the Jewish people safe. Well, that's part so of why, that why manufacturing the fuck support you? I mean, to bolster that whole project, you know. Yeah. Well, and it, and it, it gets at what we have said several times and what I was trying to hammer home a few weeks ago. Which is that in some ways... All of our institutions, from Congress, uh, the, the halls of power, the, the, like you said earlier, Aaron, the procedures and avenues of change are completely and wholly unsuited and unprepared to deal with this. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, a, this is an issue that's so dug in. I mean, the fact that I woke up, woke up this morning to news of... So right now, there's a fucking mass famine, mass starvation in Gaza caused by Israel. And uh, what had happened this morning was they were trying to deliver this fucking aid trucks to deliver like food to, I think it was in North Gaza. And a stampede occurred, basically. Like people rushed to these lorries. They rushed to the trucks. Because that's what will happen when you've got mass starvation. It becomes becomes an instance, a, a moment of extreme brutality and like, every person for themselves, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, you don't know where your next meal is coming from. That's something no, very few Americans have ever had to experience. Uh, not, I, 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 I shouldn't say that. Very few Americans that 
support Israel, and that's you know the mainly. And if they did, and just to say, if they did, if they did, they would kill each other immediately. Exactly. Right? They would be completely. They would be animals. They would be exactly what they think the Palestinians are. Right. In this instant, in this instance, the IDF was present, and they got spooked by the rushing people and started firing into the crowd. This is clear cut. This is all on video. Uh, conditions they themselves created. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was listening to the BBC this morning and they had a Fatah spokesperson on and this guy was like, look, I take issue with your reporter saying this was chaos. This is not chaos. This was caused by Israel. Yeah, they, 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 they called f- it a chaotic incident. They, yeah, they fired. He, he said they fired into the crowd. This wasn't just the lorries like running people over. And even if it was, this was also caused by Israel. And the fucking BBC guy got so pissed off at that. He was like, "Well, you're entitled to your opinion, but we have it from a reliable Palestinian source that this was." And it's like, I want you, I want you, I just want you to all again like think about this. If you have this this like entrenched view of this situation, like so many people dug in and like what is required to actually change this? I mean, can you really blame Aaron Bushnell for what he did? No. Absolutely. That's why it's like Absolutely I was just so confused not. over people saying like, oh, is this good or bad that someone would... I came back to like the volcano analogy. It's like, this is just gonna happen. What the yeah. fuck do you mean it's good or bad? What are you talking about? I mean, I mean, also too, man, somebody brought up a really good point on Twitter. They had said that, you know, if this had happened in the 70s or the 80s, right? Like if this is the Vietnam War, the 60s, right? Like, this would have been all over the fucking news, you know? But it's like the media has become so, as you were saying, Terrence, so entrenched, you know? So completely just, like, like captured, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, like, even just reporting on objective facts, just the idea that, like, I mean, you've created a situation in which, of course, people are going to rush the truck. They're starving, you know? The fact that that's even the, we're even having a situation of mass starvation is insane. Yeah. But then for for them to get shot, and then there's like it's like there's nothing that Israel can do that the United States right would criticize them over, you know. And I mean, at the end of the day, like you know, when you're talking about whether what Aaron Bushnell did was effective or not, what the fuck are you talking about, man? You know what I mean? Like you you said something earlier, like you know how 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 would it, how would he have felt going home every night, you know, and knowing that. His body, his flesh and blood, you know, is being conscripted into this genocide. And how on the opposite spectrum, you have people like fucking Josh Kirby, you know. You have people like that just go straight up to this lectern and just say, I mean, it's almost like you see the shutters come down on their souls, you know. Like they're just dead eyed like a fucking fish, man. And they can just go out there and trot this bullshit out. And like, these are the people. So on that. So if you're saying if you're saying that Aaron Bushnell, then what he did, his sacrifice, right, it's not a sacrifice, it's mental illness. So then you saying these people then on the opposite end of the spectrum using that logic are then like heroes or then more you know valiant you know or stronger better people or better morally morally upright people like it's just like everything is flipped man yeah it's like everything has been has gotten so flipped that we're talking about the ultimate sacrifice that anybody could make who also was screaming free palestine until he died we're talking about it as mental illness that's just so insane and yeah. this huge commitment we have to compartmentalizing and atomizing every part of society to the point that everybody's like, uh, oh, uh, killing yourself in such a dramatic fashion for something you have nothing to do with, which is also just a lie because, like, was, weren't, wasn't, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't his 
whatever regiment of the Air Force going to be sent in to participate in some of this stuff? I think people said that. I don't know if that's true or I not. Don't, I, the reason I don't think it's true is because he apparently, when... He had apparently uh, not been showing up to work for quite a while. <laughs> Attaboy. Attaboy, attaboy. So, anyway. like he, so, like, he was in the Air Force, but, you know, he, by that point, I think he had been out of it for quite a while. Okay, mm. okay. Well, mm. regardless, it, it doesn't matter. It's like, of course we need to take an interest in things that don't directly affect us. And that's exactly what they don't want us to do. And they try to, like tried to shame us that you have like a parochial view or whatever but like it, it's every facet of fucking society does not want us to be together across color lines across whatever yeah nationalities yeah. right yeah yeah it's yeah. it's because it's the same reason that we can get shit delivered to our door in five minutes and don't have to go out anywhere for it and all this kind of stuff it's like they just don't want us mingling with each other and also that's connected to trying to keep the crazy white boy down you know what i mean they knew if the john browns would have proliferated we'd have a much different world here we get a couple of the fair skins running on the black courts we're off to the races boys you know what I mean? that's, that's true. what they didn't want to have happen and you know what man you know what i'll, I'll add to that because you could say that uh you could say that this whole um, um, rightoids uh, sphere like these weirdos you know what I'm saying they've co-opted the crazy white boy you know they have they've co-opted, they co-opted the crazy white boy you know the crazy mean? white boy is not theirs and they've stolen him they've, they've stolen, stolen that they've archetype stole- from us <laughs> <laughs> they really have yo that's such a good point another aspect point. of this that we haven't talked about well, and also just by the way I just want to like put a fine point on this like you know I'm speaking it my mental illness has been well documented on this show Right, we've been doing this show for seven years. I feel like anybody who's been listening for that long is like probably has a pretty good character profile of all the various ways in which I'm fucking Just peek behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I do think, I do genuinely think, it's probably like why there's like a resurgence of Freud right now, um, which I'm not a, as much of an expert on all that. I can't tell you about Lacan and psychoanalysis and all this stuff. No. However, I do genuinely think that a lot of what we term mental illness is an inability to reconcile ourselves to the the mass, like, systematized but also naturalized slaughterhouse of capitalist society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it's like people... And that's, that's what... That's what irritates me so much about the liberals concern trolling over suicide it's like you don't fucking care right like i don't consider what aaron bushnell do to be suicide in the way that you do right like Mm-mm. but even if i did you don't care you don't, you don't care if there's shit. copycats you don't care no. if people kill. why would you care you don't give a no. fuck your your life is nice secure you've got nothing to worry about no if anything if anything you know i mean if anything um, I mean, God forbid, you know, the word to be copycats. I mean, they would, that's something that they would be to their fucking benefit, right? They would fucking use that, right? To fucking point out to, again, to kind of, um, to kind of isolate people, you know, and call people that not, they've already been calling us, uh, terrorists, Hamas supporters, right? Yeah. But now we're crazy self-immolators, you know what I mean? Exactly. You know what I mean? And we should never touch the levers of power. Could you imagine those cycles touching the levers of power? I mean, and, and last thing I'll say, man, I, I, I mean, on top of these people do not care about mental health at all. You know, I mentioned it earlier, but, you know, as someone who has mental illness, I mean, everyone, I think everyone has a level of mental illness, but as someone who's like, you know, who's struggled with this, right? It like, it just kind of pisses me off how 
These people claim that they care about mental health, but they rob people who deal with mental illness of any agency. You exactly. Know? As, if you can't, as if you can't make any fucking choices. As if you are so racked with fucking like existential trauma that you're ready to just leap off at any fucking train platform or any fucking building. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's just obviously I have fucking mechanisms and we all do right to deal with the fucking, as you said, the slaughterhouse, that's capitalism, you know? I mean, it's just, it's just, again, like you said, these people, they're being, they're disingenuous. They don't give a shit. You it, know? You're exactly right. It, it It's insulting something I've dealt with my entire adult life, honestly, mm. is like this constant struggle for the mental health industry to tell you uh, when you are being sane and when you're not, when you are yeah, having exactly. agency and when you're not. Exactly. And, um, and it's just, it's just one of these things that we are just, again, wholly unprepared to deal with under a capitalist society with capitalist yeah. social relations. Yeah. Cause it yeah. becomes harder to decipher like, what is genuine mental illness versus what is the medicalization of yeah. these yeah. different emotions that are like hyper pronounced under the system? I've dealt exactly. with this with addiction, with mm -hmm. like the paradigmatic, the paradigmatic form modality of treatment in the United States is AA, which I consider mm -hmm. to be a extremely liberal program. I mean, to me, yeah. AA is the most is liberalism distilled, mm -hmm. and I know a lot of. For my friends who are you know conservatives or family members who are conservatives who go to AA probably don't see it that way hmm. but AA is all the liberal paradigms about addiction distilled which is that it's a disease the liberal hmm. ideology about addiction is that it's a disease and you have no control over, over it hmm. the conservative paradigm of addiction is that it's a moral failing hmm. that's the, those are the two kind of like dialectical hmm. yeah sides of, of addiction treatment hmm. but it's like how do how do you fit in the fact that most of us when we decide to get sober that's a decision we make we have yeah. agency yeah. so like exactly. how do you fit that in do we have power yeah. over this or do we not and acknowledge exactly. that some people do get sober by subscribing to one or the other yeah plenty of people get sober with aa probably plenty of people get sober by feeling guilty about being a moral failing or, plenty, or whatever plenty of people this is another thing which i've been thinking about like if i was to go visit my friends in like fucking uh serbia like do they even have the concept of sobriety like i'm serious <laughs> i know that's fun i'm yeah. not saying that yeah, like yeah. everybody there is a drunk i'm saying that yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. is our paradigm of sobriety in america the same as it is in other, places? other places i know yeah. for a fucking fact it's not like in the scandinavian countries where they no. usually just give you uh naloxone if you're an mm. alcoholic so that mm. it reduces your fucking need to constantly hit the dopamine button this mm. is a fucking you take care of it with a pill yeah so i mean like what do you anyways we've gone mm. way we've gone far afield but the point is is that like all of these things are so ill-suited to deal with this. And and if you needed a perfect example of that, uh, to me, honestly, one of the most revealing things about the entire spectacle, about the entire thing, was the police officer who was like, just like robot program, just dog brain, get on the ground, get on the uh, to, ground. To someone who is get on, on the ground. fire. Yes, it's just like I mean, it's just and, and and this is why like the comparisons to John Brown is really so instructive. It's like for a brief moment you saw the actual undercurrent of human morality of 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 uh human of humanity. You saw the actual undercurrent of humanity break through for a second in this act of extreme 
violence, you saw an act of actual solidarity, and then you saw the programmed response to that. Yeah. Right? Like 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 white yeah. blood cells immediately like, fucking going like yeah, yeah. like a robot activated, like he came out of a hutch. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. He came out with the gun and it was just like citizen. You know what citizen. I mean? It's just like Get dude, down. like you said, Terrence, that is such a perfect like reification, right? Of like whatever the fuck is happening right now, right? Like all of this like hyper violence, whether it's like go buy a gun so you can shoot your fucking neighbor or the cops killing people, right? Yeah. When and then, you know, on the other hand, this completely wholly selfless act, you know? You know what I mean? Of yeah. self annihilation. And then to see these two things, man. And to see these two things, I mean, I think there was an EMT who was trying to put Aaron out, you know, with the fire extinguisher, you know what I mean? And then right. to have the cop pointing the gun, even that dynamic, you know what I'm saying? Yes, well, it's any, right. Anytime. Like, like, you're right. Yeah. Anytime there is a purely distilled expression of the human spirit, be it great sorrow, great joy, great sacrifice. And this, I think about... Uh, when Beethoven, who is thoroughly deaf by this point, plays Ode to Joy at the Vienna Opera House, and it was illegal at the time to give anybody that wasn't the king more than five standing ovations, and they gave him seven. He's so mm. deaf that he's still conducting, like, off measure. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's just rapturous applause and all this stuff, and what happens? The cops come down there to shut it down. Yeah, dude. One <laughs> of mm. the most, you know, just sort of just unbelievably beautiful pieces of music ever written con written conducted by a deaf man <laughs> just the whole thing and what happens cop shut a, sub a sublime moment man yeah and then you had the man <laughs> that came down with the literal boot came down and crushed it you know yeah god man jesus dude that's what they're there for they're there to stop us from being too human they're there to true. stamp out life they're there dude they're there this is why you know I mean, I don't probably jump on something else or close out, but I mean, this is why I, I another thing I think about too is, uh, you know, the destruction of libraries, you know, you know, in 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 Palestine and Gaza, man, and the destruction of culture, you know what I mean, and like how much of that is like just completely just stamping out like what it means to be a human being, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like things that go beyond just flesh, you know? Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, this is yeah. Go ahead, turns. I don't. Right. I I just. If you sit and ruminate, which I have done multiple times, if you sit and ruminate on the actual scope and scale of this, I mean, just uh, once again, to put a finer point on it, if you sit and ruminate on, on not just the fucking bombing of just glassing of entire neighborhoods, right? The systematic apartheid and corralling of people mass starvation videos of idf soldiers collecting women's underwear and like yeah. and, and 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 going into people in palestinians houses and like riding the tricycles around and, la and, and sleeping laughing in kids and sleeping in kids cribs with teddy yes. bears and stuff what the fuck is wrong with you man? like making these absolutely <sighs> sick and disgusting that's not mental illness that's yeah. not that's not mental illness to That's not being maladjusted? That's not being exactly that's not maladjusted. Yeah. Like Yo, and, that's yes. And, that's and, such a good point. And then and not only that, but then to have all of that excused and normalized in all of the machinations and avenues of media reportage and fucking uh 
relaying of information and, and analysis to have all of that, you know, then barfed back up into your plate every evening and said, this is actually good. It's actually good for you as an American. You need to go along and shut the Lap fuck this up, up a little bird. Lap this up. To just go along with that and not expect more people to light themselves on fire. I feel like doing that every fucking day. Dude, what, like what, they're... What? We, we've talked about this from from when this started, man. This is crazy making, right? This is crazy making. And the culmination of this, right, is people making the ultimate sacrifice because this is untenable, you know? And the only way that they can see, as you said, you were saying earlier, the only response, right? And you can put it however, whatever way you want, right? But the only response is like some sort of response and force in kind, right? To the mass violence that we're seeing, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the only way that, that I guess Aaron could see Unless you were or, or or John Brown is a rupture, you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a rupture. And I mean, it's crazy making, as you said, from from every level from Biden, right? Going going on fucking late night TV calling him a Zionist, or way back months ago when he was denying the death count initially, right? Yeah. Because he was saying that, oh, this is well controlled by Hamas, this is how God's health ministry. Or whether it's just like just these conversations that you kind of have sometimes with people, man, the shit you see online. I'm like how is this not, this is making everyone crazy, right? They're making, I mean, again, it's the inside, it's this uh, inside out skin suit, you know? Yeah. It's the fucking inside out skin suit, man. They're trying to fucking like force it on you now. That is. Because more people are like, I can't do this. This is fucking disgusting. That is so true. That's the thing. It's like we are being asked every single day to turn ourselves inside out, to invert our moral compass, all in the name, and this is what's really kind of absurd about it. All in the name of this shitty fucking country where we wake up every day and barely can make two fucking paychecks work, like paper over the next month because rent is so goddamn high and we're all fucking saddled with medical and student debt and you fucking name it. All in service to that? Yeah. Like, this isn't even working out. We're not even paying dividends anymore. Like, the fucking empire is not even paying off anymore. Israel got healthcare, though. We don't have healthcare. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Yeah, they better be lucky this isn't like the 17th century or something. You know what I mean? It's like, if the conditions were the (laughs) same, richest country. Were you defetistrate motherfuckers? Well, this is the thing. This is why John Brown did what he did. He was under no illusions that he would get defeated. Actually, well, it's hard to say because. When he was planning Harper's Ferry, they really did plan to uh, retreat up into the mountains and then create a series of forts and draw in, um, basically draw in the armies and just basically take pot shots at Yeah, 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 just like basically mm. terrorize them. Like, it's an it was an asymmetrical battle plan, right? Like, he understood that there was an asymmetry here. Aaron Bushnell also understood that. It's probably why he didn't strap a bomb to himself and try to blow up the embassy itself. Mm. Because you're right, Aaron. It requires it requires more than just a um, it requires more than just a single act of either uh, mass violence or strategic uh, military initiative. It requires something more uh, psychically resounding than that. Mm. Something that will like penetrate to the deepest depths of who you are as a person and like that single image of a man on fire a paramedic trying to put him out and a cop and and a, and a cop standing over both of them push uh pointing a gun at them in front of an iron gate fence at this embassy that we have given every part of ourselves to all in service to preserve 
the fucking post Cold War <laughs> international order. <laughs> like that single image. I mean, that says it all, man. I mean, like it, it was executed perfectly. Yeah. And, and um, it, it, I don't you know, know. It's you know, you know, I'll add too, man. Um, um, there was a, a protester as well who uh, uh, self-immolated in front of the Israeli embassy in Atlanta. Right. Like, like a couple of weeks ago. And that shit was not on the fucking news, right? No, yep. never Nobody heard anything t- about Even it. myself. What'd you say, Tom? I bet. I said, yeah, never heard anything about it until people were mentioning that. Yeah, I did, actually, I had only, I think I heard about it maybe a couple days before Aaron Bushnell, you know, just coincidentally, you know. I hadn't heard anything about it, you know. Yeah. And I mean, I live in Atlanta, and I think that's on purpose right like that's all on purpose you know so i mean if if you want to if you want if you want to talk about something that's penetrating and rupturing you know what i mean like you couldn't hide this you know and the fact that biden i just want to mention too that biden has not said anything about this and i mean i I know it's like a fucking moot point right i mean this guy went on tv the other night called himself zionist but that is just so glaring to me you know what i mean that is so absolutely glaring that you just don't have anything at all to say about this this is insane, man. Oh, I mean, um, the, yeah, I mean, so yeah, there, there's a, I think part of the reason why the first one was swept under the rug so effectively is that that person was not in the military, correct? Yeah, yeah I don't I think, think, think that's the thing. The when these liberals are like, oh, there's going to be copycats, they don't mean people like me and you. They could give a fuck about me and you. <laughs> Yeah. They, 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 what they mean is copycats in the military, yeah. because that's yeah. not the fucking smoke that they want, man. Right? Yeah. Or, yeah. or yeah. people doing, you know, just refusing to serve, defect, and all these kinds of things. They don't want that because that's the machine that grinds. I think that th- that's the thing. It's like they, they do get very nervous when the military starts. Like, I mean, because like you, you hear about like reports of fragging. Like in Vietnam mm-hmm. War was insane. Mm-hmm. They were like dropping grenades and like officers fucking portageons and stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they they don't want that shit. And that's the that's the bind of the military, right? Because they right. give mm-hmm. soldiers all these fucking weapons and have to hope that they don't fucking revolt. Because yeah. a lot of the fucking times, and I know this, this is another element of the discourse that I don't even really want to entertain because it's so fucking tedious, but. A lot of the fucking times, people in the military, in the Air Force might be a little bit different. I, I don't know Aaron Bushnell's socioeconomic background, but a lot of people in the in the military are fucking picked out of poorer places. Dude, I, mm-hmm. I have a friend who just went to South Korea, and he w- uh, from East Kentucky, and he was like, mm-hmm. dude, they love people, they love hillbillies over there. You want to know why? <laughs> because the vast majority of people drafted to fight in the Korean War were fucking hillbillies. Yeah. <laughs> like that, oh, yeah. like they, they went to the poor places in the United States and fucking drafted them into it. Uh, so yeah, it's like, yeah. I don't know. I, just, the point is, is that like uh, they're preyed on, and and yeah. when they say like, oh, we, they don't want more copycats, that's what they're talking about. Well, well, well it's well, it's insane. Well, not only did they train in West Virginia to go to Vietnam, but something staggering, like sixty something percent of people that were conscript or went to fight in Vietnam were from Kentucky, West Virginia, Tennessee, yeah. North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just and, those and, those four states. And, and you know what too, man? Um I think uh I think uh, uh I think Kayvon had brought this up on Twitter. I think still a pressed uh Twitter user, which is a really, really good point. I was thinking about it as well is that if Aaron Bushnell died in service of this fucking bullshit decadent empire, right. you know this Moloch-like country, I mean, it would have been praised, right? It would have been yeah. called a hero. Right, 
You know what I mean? Bro. But it's because he used his position, right? Right. And he uh, uh, criticized, right? The very yeah. government, right? Which he's sworn to protect. The very country which he's sworn to protect, right? Which is the that most we're all incisive. we told that we can criticize, right? That's Ex- the thing that exactly. makes us different. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, especially as like someone who is, who is like in the service. Like you have the most incisive role as someone who is not an outside observer. You've been in the belly. You've worked for the belly of the beast. You know the shit. I mean, it takes incredible conviction, you know? For somebody who's like you've been been uh, worked you know been uh, been in the military, I think in my opinion, like you know, come out and say this is fucked up, you know, and to like whether they organize or do, I mean, do anything at all. But for if he had if this had been flipped, you know, then he would have been a hero. They'd have been praising him, you know. I mean, it's the same thing that people who were saying, oh, this one guy said that suicide is not heroic, and then you look at his tweets and he's celebrating some Ukrainian right that had blown himself up right during the Ukrainian war, right? And it's just like, dude, like fuck off, you know. It, and also, just the amount of people who celebrated the—I mean, I pointed this out, and it's a trite point—but like the Arab Spring began because a Tunisian street vendor set himself on fire, and it's like that guy, you know, is obviously hailed as a hero because oh, this is a great cause of democracy, and it, and and then obviously, I remember at the time, people like Christopher Hitchens saying like. Oh, the Arab Spring only happened because of our invasion of Iraq. Like we we planted democracy in the Middle East, and it grew like a you know, it grew it, it grew, grew from like seed. Wild, it grew like a wildflower, not not the wildflower, not like a cancer. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like yeah, you're right. If it's in service of something they actually care about, it's just I know it's a moot point, but it's just it's just it's just this just whole shit is just fucking just so frustrating because it's like on the one hand. What is even the point in pointing out their inconsistencies, right? And like, you know, all their coward, uh, cowardice. But like, I mean, how long can you keep the shit going, man? You know, like how long can you? It's like it's almost like the lies are getting more and more absurd, you know, and more transparent, you know? Yeah, I mean, I had it on the list to talk about and I know what what are we even at? Oh my god, an hour and twenty minutes. Um, I had it on the list to talk about, but like mm. the Michigan primary, like oh, the yeah. amount of unconfirmed voters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I genuinely think I really do that. I, I saw people on Twitter saying like, surely the Biden administration will look at this. Like Charles Blow even had an op-ed in the New York Times that was like, the Biden administration has no choice now but to acknowledge its path here is fucked and it's like man i don't know i hate to break it to you but i really don't think that they're going to do that i really I do don't think, think i mean I, he's correct <laughs> yeah no no i mean they I, got a choice, brother. Brother. <laughs> i really do think that they're gonna be like we don't need the left at all yeah. like the, we they, they we don't need anyone with principles we don't need anyone who cares about any of this stuff we just need disaffected former trump voters and former gop voters who were disaffected by dobbs because that's yeah. a that's a block that they are aiming for, and that is who they're going to go for. They have no responsibility to workers. They have no responsibility to poor people. I, dude, to young people. Lexington. I don't know if y'all. Is, dude, I saw a report the other day that um, they interviewed some people who work the homeless shelters here in Lexington. Mm. They said this is the worst winter they have ever seen in terms Jesus. of like homelessness. Yeah. Like and and I'm supposed to believe that this is the best economy ever. Like yeah. this like seriously, are you fucking serious? 
You insult my intelligence like that every single day, and you expect me not to have a mental break of some kind. <laughs> like, like I don't. I don't it, it's just the constant fucking. You're right. It's just the constant onslaught of being like them waking up every day and telling you to accept the genocide, telling you to accept that the economy is actually good, and then when you respond to it in a way that breaks outside of the norm, the normative <laughs> response to that, then calling you insane. Yeah, calling you insane. Or, I just I mean, want to yeah, just address the listeners. You're not insane, man. You're not like, insane <laughs> at all. Actually, what it is is that everyone else is at, and when I say insane, I mean they're they're e- these are evil people. These are sociopaths, right? These are yeah. sociopaths and cowards. You know what I've realized? They project cowardice onto um they project their cowardice onto other people. The, yeah. the whole like this, they've been doing they that can't the whole engage it. Time. So they said, no, surely this is a heinous act that we should all be repulsed by. Right, and it's because you can't grapple with the fact that there's just you just don't believe in anything. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You what it is is that you don't believe in anything, and you're looking around like, hold up, I'm the only one. Everyone's got up and left the theater, and you're the only one there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you're just like, right. well, I, I guess it's just me, right? Yes, it is just you. It I is am, just you, man. I have never. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I've said this before. Um, and in those instances, it was probably true. And over time, this becomes more true. But I have really never seen the liberal project this hollow. Yeah. It's like it is. I don't know. It's like you remember the other day, Aaron. You sent us that um, tweet, or maybe it was Tom. It was the tweet of like uh, someone on a second story, and they built a balcony, and it was like, "Y'all want to come over for a party?" And the balcony was held up by a single like twenty <laughs> foot two by four. Like oh, it yeah, was yeah, like yeah. starting to bow, bow out in the middle, and yeah. the balcony looked like it was about to fall. <laughs> like that's what I feel like watching these motherfuckers. Oh yeah. Like I know that they're not gonna go anywhere anytime soon, but like I don't know. You man. can still start seeing the yeah the just the just being painfully off obvious the fractures and the bowing. You know. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I mean, it's just like. Uh, I don't know, man. It's just they got no gas left. They got nothing left in the tank. So we're either seeing, uh, well, I guess scolding is a part of this, but it's mediating conversations now, you know. So the mediating the conversations means scolding or tweaking narratives, something that you saw with your own eyes, right? Yeah. Telling you that's not what you saw, right? right? Or telling you that, like, you're bad or wrong for feeling this way. And all you can do when you have no you have no ideology left. I mean, I guess they have ideology, but I'm saying they have no impetus, right? They have no ideological impetus to carry on, continue right. this project. All you have to do is be observational. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? All you have to do is just kind of be reactive. Well, I mean, reactionary, right. but reactive. It's just comment on things, you know, and tell people that they're doing the wrong thing. So there's no way that there's no right way that you could protest for Palestine, right? There's right. no right way that you can call out Israel's genocide, you know? The only thing that you can do is vote for joe biden and <laughs> and in theory that's going to make things marginally better and in theory, Dude, but it's not marginally. but it's not well, it, also though the ask here is so fucking absurd it's so stupid like this i was thinking about this uh tweet from what's that lady's name like jill filipovich you know who i'm talking jill about Fili- oh, yeah, yeah yeah jill Filipovich. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah horrible horrible takes yeah, she good. she's a fucking moron but she had a tweet <laughs> a few weeks ago that was like is the Israeli military, why aren't they clamping down on these videos of IDF soldiers? It makes them look really bad. And it's like, dude, <laughs> I don't know how to break this to you. 
The videos will continue as long as the United States underwrites the entire fucking program. Man. Like that's, 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 and, and again, I have to bring this back to Aaron Bushnell. Like, do you really think that, like, do you think that we're that dumb? Do you really think that we're that dumb? Like, that we would, that we don't know that the United States is underwriting this entire fucking thing? I'm sorry, I'm sorry yo. She said, she said, why don't they clamp down? Why are the people killing other people clamp down on the videos? On yo? the videos? <laughs> on the videos. What are you talking about? Uh, it's, I swear to God, the people that are supposed to analyze society and like regurgitate it back to us in some cogent form so we can make sense of it ourselves all fell off the fucking turnip all talk like they fell off the fucking turnip truck last night it's amazing no it is i mean and, and, and again oh, if you are in if you're a guy like aaron bushnell with moral convictions and you're in the air force and you come to the realization that this whole thing the battleships in the mediterranean and the red sea the 700 military bases we have around the globe, the military-industrial complex, which is the only fucking leg on the <laughs> stool holding this motherfucker up. Still. For real, yo. Like, For the, real. like, you look at all that, how do you not come to the conclusion that some drastic act has to be conducted to get people's... to to, to create that rupture, to create that psychic rupture in people, to make them realize, like, look, yo, look, this... This whole thing that we wake up and participate every day in. That's what is underwriting this. That's why the videos will continue, you fucking moron. <laughs> Dog. <laughs> like, they'll, they'll I, hell, that's the only reason we play football at this point. To, Pretty to much. the U.S. military. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God, man. Yeah, that's yeah. The, I just want to say, Terrence, that's, uh, uh, you just kind of clarified, crystallized something for me. Um, That is like, uh, that is like, the 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 leg of the stool keeping this whole project up right like i just had an idea like you know like if you know america's military bases were to disappear overnight you know and um all of their nuclear armaments you know and all of their military might like we would just be bluster it would be nothing there would be nothing left you know there's we'd nothing, be like a yeah. paper we'd be like a paper tiger you know what i mean aaron bushnell is the only i'm gonna i'm straight up the only instance of bravery in an American military person I've seen probably in my lifetime. Yo, dead ass, yo. It's like serious. And I'm saying that as people with friends who are veterans. I mean, like, my friend, my veteran friends will openly admit that, yeah, yeah war, the war was bullshit. We just basically, like, fucking, you know, harassed people and, like, killed innocents. I mean, like, th- that act was the only bravery I've seen from an American, like, military yeah. member. In my yeah. lifetime. In my lifetime, man. And so if you're listening to this and you're in the military, consider copycatting. Consider it. <laughs> I consider I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm, <laughs> it's, it, might, it might do you some good. It might do us all some good. <laughs> it might do us all some good. I'm not saying it has to be exactly like that, but like... No. Maybe quit. <laughs> may, maybe if you see your officer go into the port john Yeah. Fucking pull the pin on a grenade and throw it in. Yeah, I mean we could big fr- we could big frag it back and vote. Can I get in trouble for saying that? <laughs> I, don't <We're>, <laughs> I don't think we can. I mean, because I'm not in the military. If I was in the military, I guess. I no, I don't think we get in trouble. You'd be who's doing gonna, push who's come after us, Uncle Sam. <laughs> Uncle, Uncle yeah. Sam, some maniac Uncle in a red, white, and blue suit. Am I gonna have to swab the poop deck? Yeah. <laughs> Am I gonna have to like chef? fucking um, walk the plank? <laughs> I make you be a chef. You gotta cook for the, the cook for the cook for the crew. 
<laughs> Am I gonna have to do a military pop up? They do. They should do that. They should do. A, they should do a pop up for um, Full Metal Jacket. Full metal they should jacket. do a. Pop- <laughs> 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 they should do a pop up for, for, for Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> it's like it's like a dude just like. He's got. He's on a, a machine gun in a helicopter, and he's shooting marshmallows at little kids with their open mouths. Get some! Get some! Oh, that's pretty cute. You put the shotgun in your mouth, and you, but it doesn't go off. You're like, just get him. <laughs> they shoot like gummies at you that burst with like um, red juice over them, so it looks like blood. No, it's just you know, <laughs> strawberries. Cherry is fine. Oh man, that's whimsical. That's whimsical. <sighs> Anything else we can say about this extraordinarily bizarre week? Nah, man. I think I will say. I it's think not, that, it's uh, not even really bizarre. It's honestly, it's one of the more at this point, fucking five months into this motherfucker. It's pretty. Uh, it's starting to become pretty normal. Yeah, 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 yeah. This was. Uh, what did we have this week? We had a uh, uh, finding out an expose about the New York Times lying. We had another atrocity, many by Israel. Yes. <laughs> You know what I mean? We had an Not election. Of course, I know. Yeah. You know, I, I would say that this 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 week has been pretty emblematic of the past five months. Totally. You know, just distilled. Also, another thing that's kind of emblematic, going back to the first days after October seventh. Has anyone seen Donald Trump? Where the fuck is Donald? I, like, he's not even in the news anymore. Like, yeah, it will go through phases where he'll like pop up and say some funny stuff. But like, I remember, I remember in the weeks after October seventh, us saying like, "Oh, he seems very quaint now." Like yeah. a, a sort of like remnant of the past, like and a pastoral figure almost. Kind of yeah. Even. Like granted, like the polls <laughs> showing him kind of leading, right? And if the Michigan primary is any indication, Donald Trump got more votes in the <laughs> Republican primary than all the Democratic candidates combined. Is what somebody told me. Man, somebody, somebody <laughs> fact check that for me. A hundred and three thousand uncommitted voters, and yeah. I, I'm gonna tell you something. You think you can win Michigan with eighty-five percent of Dearborn that you normally would have had voting for you, not voting for you? You, my friend, are Trey cooked, especially when the other guys pulling more votes than everybody. D- dog, weren't weren't those uncommitted votes almost as many votes as he had won by? You know, I think like, so. And, I think and, and like, like last election, man. Dude, this is weird. Follow That's me insane. here, and we're insane. we're we're going way long already. But like something I've. As a Marxist, right, you're always, like, looking at, like, what's determined, what's over-determined, mm. what is an expression of pure agency, and, like, almost the Leninist or or Fidel Castro uh, example of, like, seizing history by the reins. Mm. Um, but I have generally been feeling very much that, and you saw this in the police telling Aaron Bushnell to uh, get on the ground as he's engulfed in flames, that like things are kind of very determined and programmed according to like everyone's sort of slotted into their tracks. Hmm. And that's why this individual act was so arresting, right? That's why it was hmm. like so symbolically incredible and, and penetrating. Uh, and in many ways, I feel like it does not even matter who wins hmm. the election. And, and no. again, maybe we still have some holdouts in our audience that will say... No, it does matter for X, Y, and Z reasons. Um, however, it just 
both of them feel so abstract and far away from me at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Biden and Trump, the Democrats yeah. and the Republicans. It's so far outside of my universe of what it yeah. is to be a human fucking being yeah. that it does not even matter. Yeah, yeah. Yo, dog, I've never felt... That's such a good... You know, Terrence, I've never felt... I think it was... I mean, I didn't vote for this motherfucker last time around, so I definitely wasn't going to vote for him this time, right? But... You know, it was when he went on went on the late night show, man. I wish I could remember who it was. And he's saying, you know, I, I was, was honest, you know, it was Kimmel. Right. And dude, you know, I already made up my mind. Right. But I'm just sitting there hearing this guy say this, man. And I mean, I felt I have never felt more any more alienated. You know what I mean? From this political system. You know, yeah. like it's, not in a way that I don't have agency, but I'm just saying, as you said, that these people exist in a different reality a different universe entirely it's the scott that they're no longer interested in even like doing the window dressing of courting our vote you know what i mean like consider obama's first election that we all took the bait for right hmm. like we were excited to go punch one in for barack h obama i'm guessing now it's just like they scold us it's not yeah. it's not compelling us to come in it is yeah. If you don't come in, really bad things are going to happen. And they can't bridge the gap between... they they. It's like they're so disconnected, they don't know really bad things are happening. And it is your it, fault. Exactly. <laughs> well, and that's exactly. why they've pathologized Aaron Bushnell and all of us to a certain extent. It's why we're all insane. Like, to them, we are all clinically insane. Right. It's kind of fascinating. Yeah. If, it, if you really put yourself in the point of view of them like how do they see the world do they think that we're all just <laughs> dude literally i think they i think I've, I've thought about this lately i think all right i know there are caricatures of the left sure right but i just always find it amazing how like their their characters and stereotypes of the left are always way off like their immediate stereotypes where it's like I feel like we're always on the money when we describe them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're always. I mean that. Like again, that John Brown tweet is just perfectly emblematic of all the things about liberals, right? Like they're conflict averse, right? They have a deference to negative peace. You know what I mean? Like all of these things. And it's just like, I guess when they look at us, they really think that we're like animaniacs. You know what I mean? They think that we're cartoon characters. You know? The John Brown thing again. I know. I'm sorry to like belabor the point, but like the follow up tweet about like. What actually worked was uh, former black slaves. Basically, fighting. that was a, I got black friends tweet. I just have to yes. say that was like I have black friends. What's so ironic about that is that John Brown realized before anybody else that the only way slavery would be defeated is if former slaves participated in the insurrection. That's the irony of it. He realized this again. He realized this probably even before Frederick Douglass. There's actually this is actually a historical documented moment where John Brown meets with Frederick Douglass in a quarry before Harper's Ferry. And Frederick Douglass is like, man, I really hate to tell you this, John, but I, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. He's like, brother, die, I, like, yeah. I, like, I like your gumption, but this shit ain't going to work. You're going to die, trap. brother. It's a yeah. trap. You're going to die. <laughs> yeah. And uh, But the thing is, is that John Brown realized this before pretty much anyone on the abolitionist, in the abolitionist cause. And... Uh, so like you don't get, you don't get, uh, you don't get to say that like John Brown was a failure, because yeah. like you don't get part B without part A. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly, 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 exactly. I mean, like, but but again, yo, it's because I know we're going over, but again, it's just because they're so obsessed with process, right? That 
if something if something succeeds, it only can succeed because it followed the rules, right? Because well, the and it can only succeed if it's hoisting a trophy at the end of the regulation. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like they can't countenance the fact that sometimes losing is winning. Well, and they also have this again. They have this <laughs> extremely overdetermined view of history in a way. And I've thought this before. I have genuinely thought that liberals have kind of absorbed a very vulgar form of Marxism in the sense that they do think history is overdetermined. Mm-hmm. I think they do think that it follows these gen- I mean, you, you see it in um, the statement like the arc of the moral universe bends towards justice. I do think that they think that these large structural forces skew towards this one direction by natural drift Mm -hmm. and not by like human agency or intervention or class struggle obviously not class struggle but like they don't they you know does that make any sense that's why they that's why they can't see like john brown and aaron bushnell's actions as valid in any way because that would to them give away the ball game that would mean that oh my god humans do have agency and there is such a thing as class struggle and and, And we remember we're all humans after all and that's not good for it. That's just you know, the thing. This, there's an amazing just, point. Oh, man. One of my favorite scenes in Russell mm-hmm. Banks's Cloud Splitter is, and I don't think this happened in real life, but it's one of my favorite scenes is John Brown pacing the bat- battlefield at Waterloo and trying to understand wh- where, why, and how Napoleon went wrong, like mm-hmm. how he failed. It's what it's. I love that fucking scene, man. He's just like go. He gives you a step by step dissection of how Napoleon failed at Waterloo, and I think what he's trying to get at there is that like John Brown understood that these are human actions. Our actions have consequences. That like y- human history isn't just this. Uh, I do think there are moments where history does kind of take the wheel, like nine eleven. Like I was saying yeah. to you the other day, Tom. Nine yeah. eleven was the masterpiece of history. Uh, but like I do it's just think, like yo y'all fucking up let me let me let me, let me take y'all for a spin a little bit yes <laughs> let, me, let me let me let me jumble things up a yes. little bit this I was, is the Sistine Chapel of this yeah. is my theory of nine I will de- delve into this at a later episode uh however humans are also en- engaged in the grand uh scheme right like we're all in the game as well and so history can't also can't history can't just be this overdetermined thing where history humans never have any agency. Every now and then that might be the case, mm-hmm. but generally speaking, class struggle is real, and we have to like <laughs> analy- analyze things honestly and truthfully, mm-hmm. and not go insane in the process, and not let them tell th- us that we are insane. insane. Yeah. 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 That's my message. Don't let them tell you that you're insane. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, man. That's uh, I just want to end on that, man. That's uh, I think that's not only are you not crazy, um, but they're gonna keep telling you that you are, you know. Yeah, and you have to resist that. We you diagnosed that, that all the way back in October, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah, it is. It is becoming increasingly more <laughs> acute and absurd. Like right, like the fucking, it becomes more heightened every week. However. We saw that at work all the way back in October, and I think it's mm. a valid mm. observation, a good one. Mm. Indeed. Um, all right, uh, gang. Well, we've gone way over today, so sorry for that. Um, if you would like to hear us on Patreon, you know where to find us. Um, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Party. Please go subscribe over there. Um, folk, people are calling Sunday's episode... A instant classic. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, what was the word? Uh, what's the phrase? Um, 
a masterpiece of of the form like a, a masterpiece you know of I mean? the form yeah, yeah. like we was, we um we have created high art that's true mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. that's true yeah. that's true mm. so i think you well, should I'm, go check it out i mean this is a this is a high art program you know? that's right man yeah that's right mm-hmm. only, only the best go check it out give us some cash five dollars a month indeed that masterpiece and many many more masterpieces that's right Mm, all right gang well we'll see you next time thanks for listening this week adios bye